Philippians chapter 1, look in verses number 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. Brother Benny, ask God's blessing on the service and the sermon, please. Amen. As we continue through this book, let's um, remind let me remind you that the book is a book of joy, joy in Jesus. Two weeks ago, Paul, we looked, Paul was chained to a Roman guard, but yet he looked at it as an opportunity. Now, as we look through verses 27 through 30, let me just say this. The Christian life is not a playground. It's a battleground. And the Apostle Paul is letting us know that. He's sharing that with us. With us. We are sons in the family enjoying the fellowship of the gospel, verses 1 through 11. We are servants sharing in the furtherance of the gospel, verses 12 through 26. But we also see we are soldiers defending the faith of the gospel in the verses that we just read. And remember, chapter 1 is about the single mind. Now, when we go into chapter 2, we'll be looking at a whole different mindset, a whole different train of thought. But this one is about the single mind. As a believer with a single mind, we understand that in the midst of a battle, we can have joy. Let me read you some verses out of 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. Paul warned, he said... Um, in 1 Timothy 1 verse 11, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, God committed this treasure unto Paul and he turned, he turned committed it to others such as Timothy. Paul warned in later that people would depart from the faith. 1 Timothy 6.20, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called. 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, And then the things that thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. The title of this sermon is The Battle Stations of Life. The Battle Stations of Life. Why is it important when somebody gets saved? that we disciple them because they don't know about how to battle. I say the majority of folks in here have been saved a long time and we know what it's like to battle every single day. It seems like we're battling. And this is what the apostle Paul is telling us. Paul had an enemy in Philippi. Paul had an enemy and his name was Satan. Satan opposed everything he did. Satan has, not can, he has robbed many Christians of their joy. Because remember what I said a few weeks ago, we handed it to him. There's a lot of people that hadn't been at church in years. They're miserable. Why? Because they have no joy, Greg. What'd they do? They said, here, Satan, I don't want it. But remember, in the writing of this gospel, in the, this epistle, Paul is chained 
to a Roman guard. He is in jail. He is in jail, chained to a Roman guard. I want to give you three words tonight that I believe will help you as we end chapter one, as we look at battling or protecting the faith. The first word is consistency. Verse 27, again, it says, only let your conversation, that's your manner of life, your walk, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Consistency. That word is a convert. It's not about our talk. This is about our walk. The most important weapon that we have against Satan, or one of them, is being a consistent Christian. In my years in the ministry, I've seen it. Roller coaster Christian. Y'all like, I, I used to like roller coasters a long, long time ago. But you go up. There's a lot of Christians that like to live up. They like to live in the, in the glory days. They like to live when everything's great. But then when you come down off that roller coaster and you're going down that hill real fast, it changes. That's the Christian life. But a lot of people that I know, a lot of people that you know, are roller coaster Christians. They're up, they're down. They're up, they're down. They're happy, they're sad. They're, they're mad, they're glad. Listen to me. Remember, joy is not based on circumstances. That's happiness. Happiness is based on circumstances. Joy is based on Jesus. It's so important for us as Christians to be consistent. Paul is encouraging us to behave as children of God, as citizens of heaven, in Philippians 3.20. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. There'll be times in our life we're going to be down. There'll be times in our life that we face hardships. There'll be times in our life when things aren't going like we think they ought to go. But guess what? That happens around the globe. There are people that face the same things that you and I face. There are people that face the same things that you and I go through. And Paul is encouraging us and telling us to be consistent. This little colony of Philippi was a colony of, of Rome. They acted like Rome. They acted like citizens of Rome. Paul is saying to us, let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. He said, let what we do be consistent. There's, I can tell you a million stories about people that I know that in the, my lifetime, that I've watched them, they've been consistent. There's been times when they struggled, been times when they're hurt, been times when they were down. I can't say I've been that way because I've not. But there's people that I know that have been consistent. It's very, very important. We need to be consistent. Listen to this little poem, I guess you could call it. You're writing a gospel, a chapter each day, by the deeds that you do and the words that you say. Men may read what you write, whether faithful or true, just what is the gospel according to you. Hmm. That's kind of sobering. When you think that we sometimes are the only gospel some of these people see. And that's tough. 
I've told you my background is being in construction and it's a rough, rough bunch of guys. And I found myself many times falling short. And one of them one time said, I didn't, I didn't think you, you had a temper. I said, let me tell you something. I'm a human being. But at the same time, when they look at us, Charles, they say, you're saying you're identifying with Christ. So anything that we do, it's either going to make them look at Christ in the right way or make them say, well, that's what I figured. He can't do that. There's been many times that, that I have walked away because I could feel myself getting a little flustered, getting a little red-faced. If my kids were here, I could make this comment, and they knew what I was saying. My inner Jeanette was coming out in me. It's kind of like uh, an Incredible Hulk. When the, when the, what's his name, would get a little green, you knew something was bad was about to happen. My inner Jeanette, my mother, because she had a pretty bad temper, and I, I saw it a lot. But anyway, I digress. But I could feel that, my blood pressure going up. Because, you know, sometimes people, don't they just irritate you? I mean, really, am I the only one that says that? Am I the only one that believes that? Come on, let's go, let's go. Consistency. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 3, 2 says. Ye are our epistle or letter written in our hearts, known and read of all men. He's saying, Paul is saying, the best literature that somebody can have is our life. When somebody looks at you, when somebody looks at me, what do they see? What do they see? Because I have seen in my life people that say, I'm a Christian. But then you hear them over here telling some really bad jokes. You hear them over here talking about what they did the night before. You know what that does? That brings... A bad light on Jesus. Let's make much of Jesus with our lives. Let's go out and live our life pleasing unto God. Yes, we're going to mess up. Yes, we're going to fall short. But we must be consistent. Let them see Jesus in us. Number two, the word cooperation. Paul changes the illustration uh, he used there in the first, I don't think I brought this up, but in the first part there, he was illustrating uh, uh, politics, the word consistency, that word, that's definitely not the case. Amen, ouch, or oh me. Cooperation, he's changing it now from politics to athletics. And that word means to strive together. It talks about, it gives us the idea of our word athletics. Paul is picturing the church as a team, I'm not just talking about the one church, all churches. I tell people, I've told people, we're on the same team. We have the same coach. We have the same goal. Why is it, Jason, that that church and that church and that church can't get along? We're on the same team. We're fighting for the same things. Cooperation. Paul is picturing the church as a team. Now keep in mind here in the Philippi, 
there was some division. Two women were not getting along, and we'll see that later in chapter 4. And apparently there were some members taking sides and all this thing. And you know what makes Satan very happy when there is division? When there is a division in the church, Satan's kicked back and smiling. He's saying, yep, let's see what happens now. Let's see what happens now. Division he enjoys. Division he likes. Division, he knows if there is division, if there is this side against that side, devil's thinking, I can get in there and make havoc of that church. Are y'all with me tonight? I've seen it. You've seen it. It can happen when we are divided. We must realize that that God's work is more important than our opinions are getting our way. Uh, there's many times, many times, sitting under my pasture, either just as a member or when I started becoming his associate, there's many times I would think, what are you doing? But I didn't call him out in front of people. I'd go up to him, say, can I ask you a question? Why are you doing this? And he would explain it to me, and he would say, you don't agree with it? I said, no, I don't, but you're the pastor. I'm going with it. And normally, not always, but normally, when it was all said and done, the way he was doing it was the right way. Are y'all hearing me? You don't always have to agree with everybody. But one thing about being a Christian, we need to have the spirit of cooperation. When you're on a, a football team and... Or let's just say a basketball team, because it seems like our life revolves around basketball. And I don't even care for basketball. But when you have a son that is a high school basketball coach, and that's all he wants to talk about, most of us just uh, as he's talking. But anyway, every once in a while we'll pick up on something he's saying. But we've watched their team, their basketball team. Two years ago they had this guy. He was a star. I mean, he was. He could slam dunk it. And you knew that that old boy was going to get the ball at the end. They were going to win. That's why they won 23 in a row that year. But last year, they had a bunch of kids. And they lost the first few games, several. Well, then they hit a run, Danny, and they won, I don't know, seven or eight in a row. You know what happened? They started playing together. This one wasn't trying to fight this one. They were playing together. year before... They just kind of had to go along with what the star did. But this, that last year, it was a bunch of freshmen and sophomore, and they just came together, and they played as a team, and it looked like a whole different team by the end of the year. There's nothing better when a church is together, when a church is on the same page, when a church, when you walk in the doors of a church, and I've had people say this since I've been here, some families that are interested in joining and interested in being part of our church. They said, preacher, there's just a, a, a joy there. I said, that's what we want. I mean, when I walk in the doors of the church, I want to feel the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are y'all with me tonight? Cooperation. In 3 John, there's a guy by the name of Diotrephus. And he was referred to him as one that loved to have the preeminence. Oh, I know people like that. I, I, I use this analogy. I'll say they're their biggest fan. When they look in the mirror, you know who they admire? Themselves. 
There's a lot of Christians like that. There's a lot of guys that stand behind pulpits that are like that. Folks, that's not the way to be. We're supposed to be together. Unity. Unity. Coming together for the common cause. Coming together for the common cause. We must work together as a team. And Paul is trying to stress to them that the ultimate goal of a single-minded Christian is to work together for the common cause, for the gospel of Christ. Folks, when it's all said and done, it's all about this right here. It's all about what's in this book. It's all about this gospel, cooperation. We are citizens of heaven, and we should walk consistently and be cooperative. Number three, the word confidence. Let's read verses 28 through 30. Y'all still with me? Thank you, Benny. Verse 28. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. Paul is telling us here, don't be alarmed, but there'll be some people that are against you. Adversary. There'll be some people that are against you. We shouldn't shy away, listen to me, when faced with battles. We shouldn't shy away because we're on the winning side. We, Tom, we are on the winning side. We are on the winning side, and I'm thankful for that tonight. Paul is telling us in verse uh, 29, the battles we face are for a reason, and they just show and they prove that we're saved. They also show that we suffer for Christ. Paul called this fellowship of sufferings in chapter 3 and verse 10. We'll see later on. But he's saying that battles come. John 16, 33, In the world you shall have tribulation, but I've overcome the world. 2 Timothy 3, 3, 12, we must notice the presence of the conflict here is a privilege as we suffer for Christ's sake. Look in verse 29 again. For unto you it is given on the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but to suffer for his sake. Now this is coming from a man that has suffered shipwreck. He suffered disease. He suffered beatings. He suffered Anything you can possibly imagine, he suffered. Satan wants us to think this way. Look in verse 30. Having the same conflict which you saw in me, now here to be in me. So preacher, what does that mean? The devil wants me and you to think we're by ourselves. The devil wants me and you to think that we are the only ones that suffer. Paul was reminding them, the church of Philippi, that they're not alone. They're not alone. I've known people, and I I pastored some of them, and and they thought, well, I'm at this church. I'm going to leave this church and go to that church. Then I'm not going to like what's going on there, and I'm going to leave this church. Church swappers is what I call them. And they make the circuit, and then they wound up coming back to where they started that's, that's not getting any joy. There'll be times at Middlecross Baptist Church and we got to fight. Not with each other, but together 
against Satan. Because I'm going to tell you something. Once the Lord begins to move, and there are three families that the Lord is, is I believe, going to send our way. He's, they're praying. But as we begin to see people come, as we begin to see people get saved, the devil's going to be mad. I remember one time many years ago, I, I want to say the second third year of brother david being at pastor sequoia things were just rolling so good i mean it was growing by leaps and bounds people were getting saved and i, I looked at him one day and he was just kind of standing there i said what's wrong with you he said i'm just looking for satan around the corner i'm just a young guy what, what do you mean he said son when god is moving like he is it makes satan mad so be ready. You say, preacher, you're supposed to be uplifting. Well, I'm just telling you the truth. I wish we could go and come and preach and teach and sing and shout every week and there's never, no, never any issues. That's not the case. Maybe down in Houston, Texas at Mr. Olstein's church, but not at the church that are realistic. We're going to face trouble. We're going to face problems, but we can face it together fighting battles together god gives us strength to strive together when the enemy sees when satan sees this church here they're serious they're serious you know there were uh, a, a lot of times during covid when churches shut down we shut down for nine weeks where i was and i remember thinking the devil's winning this battle. I honestly, then I thought that. I said, you know, the devil is winning this battle. Here we are. We are shutting church down. That's something I never thought I would ever see in my life. But I remember hitting my knees and praying. Saying, Lord, what can I do? How can I continue to make our church a church that's moving and going like it was? We did a lot of things. We, we did, uh, I remember, I think it was a Saturday before Easter. We went around to all of our kids and we gave Easter baskets and just dropped them off and waved at them. He said, that wasn't much. At the time, that was huge because there were people shutting their doors. They wasn't getting out. We had a parking lot service. When I told the church I was going to do they thought, you're crazy. Yeah, I, I know that. Pulled my back, my red pickup truck in the back. Got me a stand, sat in the back of my, or stood in the back of my pickup. It was a beautiful day, too, a beautiful day. And there were a whole bunch of cars in the parking lot. And we just had church. And every once in a while, they'd honk their horns at me, saying amen. We did another one, too. But God blessed during that time. And when COVID, when we came back after being off for nine weeks, two weeks later, we gained 15 members. God won. The devil didn't. Y'all hearing me? Now, there's a lot of churches that are still closed. There's a lot of churches that are still recovering. But we can't, as a church, as a church body, we can't give in today to the devil. We can't give in to Satan. We can't just say, well, you know what? You win. No, he doesn't win because he's a liar and a loser. Y'all with me tonight? In the middle of our battles, our single mind is so important. We must understand that joy is based on him. 
and not what you're going through. I'm sure the past two weeks, Shirley, you were, you, you were not happy. You were sick. You didn't, you didn't have that. But you know what? Because you were sick, you never lost your joy. That joy was still there. That joy unspeakable and full of glory. That joy that, that the Bible calls it the peace that passes all understanding. And you know what I preached on that day in the back of my pickup truck? I preached on peace. Because the world was in complete chaos. Things had happened that I never thought I would see in my lifetime. But I preached on that peace that passes all understanding. How can you have peace during this time, preacher? Because I know it's in control. The Lord Jesus Christ will have the final say. Amen? Single mind. We ought to, the three words here we're talking about tonight, and I'm about done, is consistency, cooperation, and confidence. We really need to strive together. It's not your church. It's not my church. It's not your parking lot. It's not my parking lot. All belongs to God. All belongs to him. I, <laughs> I have to share this because I'm just that crazy. At a church I pastored down in Rock Spring, I was point blank told that vacuum cleaner was not to go to the house to be used. I scratched my head and I said, wait a minute. We live in the parsonage. Who owns the parsonage? The church. But if I won't take that vacuum cleaner, I'm going to take that vacuum cleaner. And the same people, Benny, they told me that their little class, their little Sunday school class was off limits to anybody but them. I said, if I want to turn this into a game room, I'll turn it into a game room. Yeah, it didn't last long for me in that attitude. But y'all see what I'm saying? There are people that think... When somebody comes in, if somebody came in and they sit where you sit, Charles, Sunday, I believe the kind of guy I think you are, you know what you'd do? You'd go sit somewhere else. I hope. I hope I'm using you as a good illustration. I hope. But you see what I'm saying? There are so many people that are set. I don't want to be one that's set in my ways. I want to be one that's ready to go and serve God and have joy and as a church, we must be consistent. That's a huge word, consistent. Not up and down, up and down. No, let's just be consistent. Let's be consistent in our Bible reading. You want to grow spiritually? Be consistent in this word. Let's be consistent in prayer. You want to have a better relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Pray. You want people to come to church? Let's be consistent in inviting them to church. Let's be consistent in our faithfulness to God's house. Let's be consistent in giving. Let's be consistent in everything we do for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I guarantee you, good things will happen. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Chapter 1, we've looked at the single mind. We're going to close this chapter tonight. We've Let me say again, in verses 1 through 11, the we saw the, the fellowship of the gospel. Verses 12 through 26, we saw the furthest of the gospel. And the last part of the chapter, we see the faith of the gospel. It's all about the gospel. Now, next week, we'll look and start beginning to look in chapter 2. You can read verses 1 through 11. Next week, we'll be in chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And we'll begin to look at the submissive mind. 
the submissive man.